Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, conmen, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the C. CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018, and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself, and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers, with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week, so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to the Jordan Harbinger Show, available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. We got some big news about Joker this week. Where were and when it's going to be seen first, and what that maybe means for the future Oscars. And it might finally be time for Deadpool to join the MCU, according to a very, very interesting Instagram post, which I could talk about for six hours and might off camera. I'm so excited. We're going to Zapruder film this thing. It's going to be great. <laughs> the Kojandro cut of Deadpool in the MCU coming at you. Very excited. And first time guest. How you doing, Andrew Guy? I am so happy to be here, although I know we're talking Deadpool, so I'll just be quiet, honestly. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just sit here and smile. I want your hot takes. Like, I hate Deadpool. We'll I talk about Joker. And you could just have your moment. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all us today. Okay. Nobody else here cares about Deadpool. No one has any excitement. No one here has any opinions or feelings. It's going to be fine. It's okay, guys. It's I fine. mean, it's probably not even going to happen. It's just, not going to happen. I just waited my whole life. It's okay. It's totally fine. We should start with Joker. Otherwise, we won't. The Joker <laughs> may be getting, is getting a festival run, but may be up for the Oscar contention flavor that festival movies bring because... The Joker movie isn't just going to Venice, it's competing in the Venice Film Festival, which is a giant festival of much repute and much snobbery. This means so many things. And I gotta say, before we dive into the Joker itself, I love that The Dark Knight, featuring the Joker, was the first comic book film to be taken seriously at the Oscars, and now The Joker is the first comic book film to do a festival-run circuit of this pedigree. people have only heard of one comic book character. That's okay! Yeah, that's it's true. working! We're sneak- it's the Trojan horse. Yeah. We're sneaking in. What do you guys think? Do you think the ramifications are as big as I'm hyperbolizing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I do. I really do. I, I love... Todd Phillips is a director. I think the idea that he's getting to do the Hulk Hogan biopic with Chris Hemsworth is another great thing, another comic book actor sneaking their way through. But I think if someone can make you laugh, they can make you cry. And he's made us laugh so many times for so many years. And Joaquin is a legend, right? He's just an absolute legend character actor. Going to TIFF, going to Venice. I want to see this at the Oscars. And I hope it is just as good as everyone's talking about. 
So, yeah, the, just to break it down for folks, TIFF is the Toronto International Film Festival. Oh, excuse me. Uh, oh, no, Amy's so <laughs> good at, like, well, speaking, like, <laughs> this is the language that we don't remember to spell out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's There's amazing. a point in time where, like, it, it doesn't make sense from the outside where we're, like, screening at a thing in Venice, maybe going to the Oscars. It doesn't make sense if you're not sort of familiar with the, the ecosystem as it is. But yeah. it's it's a system set up designed to, to show off and spotlight interesting films made around the world. Uh, film festivals like Venice, which is one of, as you said, the major ones, uh, are often sort of the first place where things get this kind of attention and it's where all of us who haven't seen the movie yet sort of find out how much confidence people have in a movie uh, and how reception to it is from other folks. So the fact that the festival director for Venice said this is probably going to the Oscars is a pretty huge deal. He is not, as far as I know, on Warner Brothers payroll. It is specifically his job to not care whether you are a big fancy studio like who is sending a movie there. And there is, there's a way for movies, there's two different ways you can be at Venice. You can screen in competition or you can screen out of competition. You can have their premiere there and be going up for a prize Mm -hmm. or you can just sort of show your movie for fun. Uh, like an exhibition match. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and it, uh, if, if I understand correctly, because, again, this is not exactly my, like, first world, uh, but the idea being here, if you screen out of competition, it's a nice showpiece for your movie, and you don't sort of face the same kind of, like, judgment. Right. Uh, yeah. They're putting themselves in harm's way. Yeah, but apparently Todd Phillips was like, nah, I want to go for it. And I, I compete for the prize. We are screening in competition. It doesn't mean it'll win anything, but it is being interpreted and, and very specifically referred to as a huge vote of confidence in this film, which again, the f- festival director says is going, the biggest surprise this year. Yeah. It's got a late fall release. To me, that was a big show of confidence when they first announced it way back. Then that first trailer came out and that's all anyone could talk about. And I personally, that trailer is an awesome film. It just happens to have the Joker in it, which is what the script sounds like. I, I am A-OK with them not basing this off a comic. I personally love the idea of us getting Elseworlds and us being able to diverge from the source material because the thing I love about comics, the reason I read comics is because the archetypes are so strong that you feel like you identify with these characters that are larger than life. What better way to show that these are archetypal characters than by branching out from the stories we know and love so we can be surprised? It's the perfect foundation. This, this world of right and wrong being transcended with an Oscar film is exactly what we need to show people these aren't stupid comic movies. These are actual films. We need to show the Bill Mars of the world, like, hey, expletive, expletive, and watch this movie. <laughs> so I think this is a great first step, and I love that the DC universe is tying into Black Label. This is a Black Label film, effectively, tying into DC's new Black Label comics, showing that you can have these different corners of the DC universe, and all of them can thrive yes, please. Yeah, and we've all been shown time after time that the Academy Awards, the 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 Academy themselves, they kind of need a little hand-holding to be shown new things. And what better way to do it than with someone that, again, this guy should have an Oscar. He just should. From yeah. the moment we saw him as Commodus and Gladiator mm-hmm. to right now, everything he's done in between, he's so freaking good. Yeah, and to her. And then also, again, we all know Joker. We all know Batman, so why not do it this way? I am so freaking excited for this movie like the, as you said the trailer it is so beautifully ominous it just looks like an oscar movie with oh yeah the joker's in it by the, the way the, the flash of arkham you're like right batman the right. flash of the the makeup you're like oh right like if this was a biopic based on a failed comedian that went insane it would have an oscar yeah it just happens to be a comic based on a failed comedian that went insane if they go with that storyline i haven't read the script i want to it's so so it is interesting because the the trailer it looked fabulous it sounded fabulous mm-hmm. it has a lot of the recognizable traits and earmarks of sort of a prestige film and what I've been waiting is to sort of see is there going to be a there there or is it just doing kind of an impression of a prestige film Mm. and this 
is a good sign. Festival <laughs> director of the Venice Festival uh, seems to think that there's some there there. And that makes me very excited. Because, honestly, I probably would enjoy it if it was just a very nice-looking film that was not a world-shaking masterpiece. But, obviously, I would prefer for this to be the greatest thing we've ever seen. And, as you say, Joaquin Phoenix, incredibly talented. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very interested to see what we're getting out of this film. Now, this was also a good foundation, much like The Dark Knight, to show the next level of what these films can be. So, for me, personally, again, bringing up the lack of comic book source material. They need better ways to talk about it, though. I think it's a good opportunity to show when this does well, when this succeeds. Hey, you can do these characters not based off a comic book storyline. I I want this to be an opportunity to show other studios this is the direction it can go, because we look at Civil War that is almost nothing like the comic, and it worked really well, but then there's enough similarities to the comics, people can attach to those and be like, no, but it is! But there's so much difference, and no one argues that Civil War is not an amazing time. It's just how they presented it. The PR around Civil War used better phrases than Todd Phillips going like, we don't read comics. Now, do you think that's going to alienate the comic book fans, or do you think they're just going to be like, all right, whatever, our horse is in the race, it doesn't matter, it's still a comic book character in the Oscar contention, or do you think, like you said with Civil War, since it doesn't follow the, the, the subject matter like strictly to the comics, do you think with this, since it doesn't really follow comic book specifically, I mean, there's things from The Killing Joke in there, there's mm-hmm. things from past films and stuff, but it's not based off a comic, do you think true comic book fans are going to be let down, or do you think they're just like, whatever, let's do it, let's try to win this Oscar, let's get their foot in the door? I can't imagine a true comic book fan is going to walk past a theater that has Joker on the marquee. Right. Okay, <laughs> fair. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. Like, for all my complaints, it's not like I'm not showing up. Right. Like for me being like, I wish you would slightly differently discuss the inspiration here, because we all know this is a comic book character grounded in that mythology, mm-hmm. uh, and that is not a bad thing. And if it were a bad thing, make a different movie. Uh, but, I mean, you are right. I don't think there's anyone who's going to skip it who would otherwise Good. be there because of that language, which is clearly designed to get people who are not already on board trusting to kind of Trojan horse it into their lives. Right. Speaking of things I never thought I'd see on the bigger small screen, we sat down with Derek Robertson of The Boys, the illustrator of that insane comic, was here with us talking about the show on Amazon right now. Check it out. Can you tell us what's the story of The Boys? Okay, it's a, in, in The Boys, um, I'm not sure how much is visible behind me on camera here. Uh, okay, it's about these guys. Uh, if, if the superheroes really existed, they would be uh, in our world, the premise is that they would be horribly corrupted by the power and fame and and corporate greed that infects everything in our real world, including the superheroes. So in the front of everybody's imagination, there are the movies and the action figures and the comic books in this world too, but it's all propaganda. It's all out there to like make you think that they're these wonderful self-sacrificing heroes when behind the scenes they're terrible people and they don't care about anybody but their selves and their bottom line. Doesn't sound like any power, power structure we might relate to today at all. Um, so, Fiction. Yeah, you know, weird world where powerful people are corrupt. Um, imagine. So, <laughs> so, the, um, so the seven are uh, not only physically powerful they're also protected by this corporation called Vought International which sell their services to cities that they can go and protect but for price <laughs> and that's the quiet part but in what happens and then back in the day when we were creating the comic uh, Ennis and I uh, we he he theorized like you know you see all these superhero battles where cars are flying and buildings are falling and nobody ever gets hurt. Somebody's grandmother might be under that car and I'm like, wow, that's really true. So we built the comic based on that premise, like somebody needs to hold these uh, people accountable. Can I swear? 
Like PG-13. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah, want to make sure. I almost let we an F-bomb. We slip a lot. I wanted to let an F-bomb fly <laughs> I <appreciate> there. <laughs> I want to just check and make sure I'm not ruining your broadcast. <laughs> Can I take off my pants? I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's forget to the desk. All right. Derek Robertson, the man behind the look of the boys. It was so great talking to him. I've, I've loved his work for so long, and to find out how rad he was, was it's always it's always nice to be he like, was good. so delightful <laughs> to talk to. Yeah. Um, so as you'll see, if you watch that interview, we are basically begging him to come back uh, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we can continue that conversation. <laughs> as you'll see when you watch that interview, so he does come back, watch the interview. <laughs> now, we also have to support the world of comics that gets us these amazing movies, and this week is no exception. One of the craziest weeks of Polis, this week was nuts. We're going to dive in, starting off with a book I've been waiting a very long time for. We've got Batman Last Night on Earth number two. I feel like we had issue one's preview forever, so issue two is finally like new. I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> the cover art on that is absolutely insane. Like the Greg yeah. yeah. It's, it, it is a truly wonderful book. It's in the near future. We've also got Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number nine. The final issue of Paper Girls. Paper Girls ends with number 30, which is out this Wednesday. Get on it and also pick up Powers of X, number one. What's happening in these books? We don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> Only Hickman knows. And finally, Manor Black, which I'm very excited to hear about because I knew nothing of this book, which is always my favorite thing about working with Amy is I read a hundred books and there's always one more. And I'm always like, this is all right. Let's it's, let's educate. The problem with working at a comic book store is no matter how much you're reading, you are aware of how much else is out there that you could be reading. Uh, but yeah, we have a great line of this week. I, I do think, as you said, last night on Earth, just a spectacular cover. It's a wonderful premise. Um, hopefully everyone's going to check that one out. Basically, the idea is Batman, we don't know his sanity. And he wakes okay. up in a mental institution, and his doctor looks an awful lot like the Joker. And this guy looks an awful lot like Bane. And Alfred's like, you killed your parents ten years ago. You've been in here ever since. And you're like, what? Wait, he killed his own parents? That's what the story is so far. I'm in. Right? I am so... I mean, I haven't read comics in a very long time. I'll be honest. I apologize. But Welcome that... Back. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. But this, the cover art alone sucked me in, and then I read the quick synopsis. I was like, I'm in. Why not? It's it's Scott Snyder who wrote The Incredible Court of Owls, amongst a ton of other great new 52 stuff. Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder talks about Batman like a psychologist, so I really like his work because he's not going for action or comedy. He's going for, like, breaking your mind. Mm. So I'm really excited to see how he breaks my mind while breaking Batman's. Speaking of breaking minds, Powers of X is coming out. Yes. Uh, This is part of Jonathan Hickman's big X-Men relaunch. Uh, We had the first issue of House of X last week. We will get into all this on Giant Size. Don't worry. We don't know the answers to any of these questions either, but we're having them together. I might be more confused than you. And the books are beautiful. Yeah, they're Uh, stunning. Paper Girls. That was our simultaneous pick this week. It was. Uh, Paper Girls is ending with issue 30. I am on issue 10. I'm reading it because of uh, I Brian K. Vaughn saga just changed my life. So I'm like, I'm going to read everything Brian K. Vaughn, even the stuff I've already read. I'm rereading Ride of the Last Man. I'm reading this book. So uh, I'm excited to catch up, and I'm catching up right as it ends, of course. Uh, <laughs> but I've been loving Paper Girls. And if you're a fan of like this new nostalgia wave we're going through, Paper Girls is a great book on that. It is a fantastic. It's Paper Girls in the 80s a la, like, it's a Stranger Things-esque uh, supernatural stuff happening to kids in the 80s. Uh, it's an amazing book. It gets into way crazier territory than that, but that would be ruining it. Uh, <laughs> and you should all be reading it before it gets adapted. Yeah, and that's also happening. Now, before we go into the story of a lifetime, I also have to plug, I just got to sit down with Scott Snyder at SDCC, and we talked about the Scott J. Batman, so that is also on Collider uh, interviews, and Scott Snyder is the coolest, so check that out. Now... Deadpool. Yeah. This <laughs> I got this one. Coil, I'll take this one. <laughs> <laughs> They asked me to leave. I can't take the story. Uh, now, Instagram is a treacherous place for jokes. 
It is. It's dangerous. Who knows what they mean? This could mean nothing. I don't know, but I do know. He mentioned Phase 5 in a post announcing it is the five-year anniversary of the leak, the leak that changed all of our lives. Ryan Reynolds was hot off RIPD, hot off Turbo, living a hot streak the likes of which actors had never seen. But then, suddenly, Deadpool leaks on YouTube, and our lives change forever. Ryan Reynolds is amongst the best casting choices for any superhero ever, and the MCU would be foolish not to have this billion-dollar industry, and it looks like... We're finally getting it. So tell us what happened. Ryan Reynolds, that magic man, he posted the, the message board, the imagery that we just had up, and said, who is the culprit that leaked this five years ago to celebrate the five-year anniversary? And he said, five years, phase five, and alluded to the fact that maybe, just maybe, we'll be getting some Deadpool phase five stuff, and he said it might be announced soon. So if true, if Deadpool in Phase 5, and if actually announced on Instagram by Ryan Reynolds in a conspiracy <laughs> theory post involving Betty White, uh, <laughs> which was, to be frank, hilarious, uh, what does it mean? What, Deadpool in Phase 5? Can I also point out the best Easter egg? Taika Watiti is at the bottom of that, and people forget Taika was an actor in Green Lantern. <laughs> so now Thor Ragnarok. We, we have all forgotten that. Thor <laughs> Taika, who just got announced for Love and Thunder, is also the best friend of Hal Jordan in that freaking movie. I love this. I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. It has to be Ryan Reynolds. It has to be Ryan Reynolds coming back in Phase 5, which, again, it could be, I mean, it's going to be starting, what, maybe 2022 is when we would maybe see the, the next Deadpool fil- or Deadpool coming into the MCU, but it has to be Reynolds. And, look, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it right now. He did it. He was the one that did it five <laughs> years ago. So him doing this right now, I'm just like, good. He's going to leak. He's just like, remember that time? Yeah. That time I saved my career? So do I. And yeah, I mean, the other, the other guy that I think is the best casted person in the entire superhero universe is Jackman as yeah. Wolverine. And he's on there. So I don't know what that means, but it's going to happen. <laughs> I, I'm just pulling it whatever Betty I can Betty White here. for MCU confirmed. Yes, what Betty I'm hearing. White, Got it. MCU. I'm not saying that Downey Jr. Jackman and Ryan Reynolds are probably the best casting and two of those guys are dead. But I am saying that Deadpool being in the MCU is very important to keep yep. this alive. And I also think that it's a great way to reboot the X-Men without having to do any canon fixes. The continuity of X-Men in the comics is just as bad as the movies, if not worse. Hence, we need House of X. So have a character that's an unreliable narrator, what better way to bring the MCU and have the mutants and all that stuff than a character that literally introduced both Professor X's in his movies? He talks about both of them existing. Here's my uh, contrary and hope you're going to hate. Is it going to be PG-13? Because I will hate this. Oh, that, well, well, that's okay. exactly what I was going to say. We have to have that conversation at yep, some point. What does it belong in? Here's oh. the, the other option. It's in the MCU and it's PG-13. Or it's part of Phase 5, phase five and Disney's slate but is not technically in the same universe and does its own thing. It, I think it'll be rated R because I think they know that I think the Once Upon a Deadpool was an experiment to see if it sold and it didn't which I'm thankful for I enjoyed that film as an experiment but it wasn't a movie I think that was them testing the waters because Disney knew what they were doing I think it's going to be rated R and I do think it'll be canon adjacent I think it'll be like Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe in that it acknowledges the Marvel Universe hell bring Chris Evans back as Cap and not be our Cap we're introducing the multiverse in phase 4 why not have Deadpool just outside of that plus I think it's going to be 2022 because I think 2023 
three are going to be all the movies that are around the snap. So the movies they didn't announce in phase four, Guardians three, because James Gunn busy, but also if you notice, a lot of those characters went out in the snap. Black mm-hmm. Panther two went out in the snap. Spider-Man went out in the snap. The snap happened in 2018 plus five years, 2023. I think mm-hmm. this belongs in 2022 because it catches up to continuity. I, I completely agree with everything you said, except for it being rated R. I just can't see M- the MCU making a rated R film for some reason. They, they just like their money too much. I really think they do. And they you know, billions. I know, but when you, make, total. when you make a movie rated R, you completely alienate a huge part of your audience. I mean, you know, in Utah, for instance, they have the highest ticket sales every single week because that's what everyone goes and sees is movies. They don't go out drinking. They don't go out dancing. Mm-hmm. They go watch movies. But if it's rated R, they're not going. It is. It, you're leaving. The other 49 states will be very upset. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. It is a question of what you're leaving on the table. And for me, it has to do with sort of the that like the world connections stuff where it's like if Deadpool stays rated R. I don't know if we can have other characters like swinging by, mm-hmm. depending on which characters and what happens, because you are creating a situation where it's just like, and then uh, Sam Wilson as Cap comes by and someone gets murdered right there. <laughs> right, you know? right. It, 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 now, granted, that is the exact situation they deal with all the time in the comics, mm-hmm. because we have learned to live with like that variety of stuff. But they are in a slightly different situation, which is why I think maybe my favorite take right now is what you're suggesting, which is the like once upon a Deadpool style, like he can narrate himself into whatever Marvel Universe yeah. adventure he wants, steal a little bit from the way they do the Gwenpool character in comics now, right. and have him sort of cross in or write himself into like his own, you know, extremely good MCU fan fiction. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm, I, I think keeping the tone separate is still important, yeah. and I'm not mad if it's a different universe. I think one of the strengths, and I, that sounds contrarian as I feared, uh, <laughs> but I think one of the strengths of the first film is the unreliable narrator and the first-person storytelling, where the, the chronology is all messed up. It's got that Pulp Fiction flavor where it just jumps around time. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that weakened the second film, and I'm, I'm one of the ones that liked the first one a decent amount more, is that it was a more linear story that relied on the action instead of relying on the story there was a little less heart for me in the second one there was a little bit more it was a little bit more deadpool miniseries not as much deadpool canon like i like deadpool when you've got a great set of writers on it when you got a joe kelly or a gary duggan and you're writing a long form story versus when it's like let's go make a bunch of dick jokes i love a good dick joke but that's not the sort that's not everything like you know you need the balls too so i oh think it's God. really important to have the whole you heard it, you heard it here first ladies and gentlemen <laughs> but uh, <laughs> rogue is like i was waiting for something to be that line but we just thought it was going to be me. That's all. It's like, when do I get to tackle? When do I get guy? No, but so I love that we get uh, that option where this is a character that you can do just outside of the source. And because of his canon, you can make it R where you don't have to worry about the things like the Disney brand. Mm. I guarantee this won't say Disney in front of it. Just like Miramax when it was Tarantino didn't. It was. It was if it's MCU, it's going to. It has to be, right? I don't know. But I think it might be in association with Marvel like Venom was, which wasn't rated R, I realize. But, but that's literally a different company. That's what that wording means. But I think with the, sure, <laughs> I but think. I don't think they're going to advertise it as strongly as they advertise their universe. I think they're going to make it a film I mean, that's got a different I they're going to advertise brand. it because they like money, as previously mentioned. But I don't think they're going to advertise it in an MCU film. Like, think about the Spider-Man marketing. It's always like, look, Iron Man's here, too. And we're like, we get it. <laughs> but I don't think this will do that. I think this will be its own thing while still making all that Marvel money. I think it's going to have a red Marvel brand on it. I think it's going to have the brick. It's going to be Marvel. But I don't think it's going to have Disney, then Marvel. I DC think it's Blue have... label, or Mar- Marvel Blue label, as in Working Blue, as in... Yeah, Deadpool. Ex- exactly. <laughs> Flavor. 
Well, when Guardians came out, you know, it didn't feel like it was a part of anything. You sure. know, like it felt like a completely standalone film, but people still went and saw it. People still went, spent money on it, but it was also PG-13. So I think mm. it does have that Marvel and Disney in front of it because people need to know that it's different than mm-hmm. what it has been. Um, I, I think it could still obviously succeed as a PG-13 film. I just don't think it'll be as fun. And as we talked about with Once Upon a Deadpool, I, I, I would say, like, it's possible it will. Like, I think you can make a successful version of PG-13 Deadpool because, again, I think we've seen it done in the comics. I don't think cutting up a movie you already made that was R-rated into a PG-13 was the best way to test whether that was going to work. Mm, yeah, definitely. But we've had quotes from the creator. We've had quotes from Disney execs saying they're going to keep it rated R. Yeah, we've had, we've had like, verbally acknowledged. I, you know, they've also said other things. But they but could I also change think- their mind if they, depending on how much money they think. <laughs> or maybe what the best creative solution is. If they want to do something that they don't feel like, if they want to do a team-up, and that team-up d- would not feel right in an already context because of the other person coming in, it'd be just like Spider-Man Deadpool in the comics. Mm-hmm. The tone of those comics is specific to a Spider-Man Deadpool comic. The character Spider-Man is not allowed to hold a beer, so there's actually a Spider-Man Deadpool at a bar scene where he's drinking a soda and they have to show the soda. Like The, the <laughs> like, character oh. of Spider-Man is so wholesome, he's like, Orange Fanta. Uh, is he at least wearing his mask in this bar? <laughs> to here. There not like go. Tom Holland always <laughs> yeah, exactly. running around all <laughs> handsome. Uh, now, what do you guys think is going to happen? Do you think we'll get a straight-up Deadpool 3, then X-Force, X-Force, then Deadpool 3? Or do you think there's only one movie left for Ryan as Deadpool? <sighs> Coy with the tough questions. A lot the hard-hitting questions. I don't know that it's going to be Deadpool 3. I think there's too much that doesn't carry across. Okay. Um, I'm also curious, just to completely left field this, but what we don't technically know, I'd be very surprised if they go this way, but now we know that when they say phase, they don't always mean movie. Mm. Deadpool TV? Deadpool Disney Plus? Better or worse? What if they ended Deadpool, the Donald Glover magnum opus? (laughs) <laughs> for a Deadpool live action. And I don't think it'd be Disney Plus. I think it'd be Hulu. I think they're going to make Hulu their edgier content. Okay. Would but, Ryan Reynolds be down with this? I think Ooh. he's too busy. I think just if we're going to take long a step form? back. Yeah, I think for a long form series, Ryan Reynolds is just not the type of guy that was want, would be wanting to shoot that long or take that much time out of his career. You know, he's got his family. He's also got all these other things going. Deadpool is kind of a launching point. It started his career over again. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be just that moving forward. As you said, he's getting to his 40s. You know, like that's not a guy that can play a superhero for that much longer. I think we get an X-Force film. Sorry, Roka. I, I know you could play Direct Deadpool. I'm just Direct saying. And, and, and look, he's in insane shape. He could probably still do it for another eight years. Yeah. But I think we get X-Force instead of a Deadpool 3 because, I, as you said, I didn't like Deadpool 2 as much as the original Deadpool, and I think if you go Deadpool 3, it's going to be even worse if than 2 If they introduce the X-Men via Deadpool, if they do X-Force before X-Men, I will flip. <laughs> uh, no, that is no. not the way you do this, and I know that I should trust in them because they make great decisions pretty much all the time, so Kevin Feige, if you're listening to this, please tell Good me job. how that could possibly no, make thank sense. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, we appreciate all your work. I want one of those hats. Uh, but I think that he would agree... If, in my imagination, that that's not how you start the X-Men universe. As we wrap up, I agree <laughs> that Kevin Feige knows exactly what he's doing because he has surprised us at every corner. Yep. The fact that we're getting Jane Foster and no one knew. The fact that Blade got dropped. All those things. I also think that he knows how to subvert expectations by introducing a character. I do not like Spider-Man as Iron Man, and they made Spider-Man Homecoming where Spider-Man and Iron Man were very simpatico and that worked for me in a way that doesn't work in the comics for me he managed to do that and I think that X-Force is only a profitable option when you've met the X-Men because they're doing the things the X-Men won't do so if you meet this hard-boiled like team of mercs and then you're like but meet the softer fluffy ones that doesn't work also I agree Deadpool's theatrical part of his strength is the action as well as the comedy as well as the drama so I think visually we need a movie theater to summarize all of that but 
I personally think it's going to be rated R. I think it's going to come out in 2022, and I think there is a chance it's going to be laying groundwork for him to do more than one movie in the MCU. But this is all off a single Instagram post, so who knows? Who knows? Who conspiracy board away. Knows? Yes, send us your conspiracy boards. Tell us what you think, and also take away TD totally leaked that footage. Uh, so, <laughs> until next week, folks. Thank you very much, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, you guys find me at Andrew Guy. That's it. Just find me on Twitter. We got a lot of stuff going on there. And he does this awesome show called Action Movie Anatomy, which I was lucky enough to join for Spider Verse and some stuff. So I'll be back on there. All right, thank you guys very much. Stay sweaty. Napa know this month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little chico pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.